This is CliffCentral.com. Hello there. Welcome to The Opinion Booth with myself, Sonia Booth. And today's title is President-Elect. <laughs> There's a reason for that title you'll get to hear, hopefully, um, you know, towards the end of the show. The makings of a leader. My guest today is Obakeng Augustine Lesayani, co-founder and executive director of EdConnect, contributing writer at Forbes, director of administration for the African Leadership Academy Model African Union 2018. Shoot, what a mouthful. Youth ambassador for SAIIA, which is the South African Institute of International Affairs. He's also involved in the International Relations Council. Obakeng, welcome to your opinion booth. Thank you very much for having me. So many titles and uh, you only 19, uh, 18. Yeah, uh, what can I say? I, I well, you're you 19, turning 20 in December. Yes. Um, I think I've always found it quite important to just get into every single thing that I can get into because... I never knew where what could lead where and now that I look back at it, I'm like, I've done quite a bit, but there's still more work to be done. Quite a bit. There's more than quite a bit. I mean, some of these achievements put me to shame. <laughs> I mean, w- w- when, I, when I looked at your profile and I thought perhaps you had made a mistake with your date of birth, but then now obviously realizing that you, 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 you're still a student at the African Leadership Academy, which is an incredible institution. Um, you call it a pan-African institution. It, it, it takes uh, between 16 to 19-year-olds from around the world. The African continent, but we also do have a Catalyst program that caters for, for any student across the world. So tell me more about your institution. I mean, what what criteria or what are the characteristics? What do they look for when they interview pupils um, from grade eight, I believe? Uh, from grade 10 in the context of South Africa. Okay. And then so, so what what does it take for somebody to be accepted at an institution like that? Because the whole vision and mission of the academy is to develop the next generation of African leaders. They look for things like academic excellence, leadership potential, and financial need, and commitment to service. So they want to see that before they bring you into the academy to go through the two-year diploma course, that you have the potential, that you are a worthwhile investment. And yeah, it's it's one of the best things that has ever happened in my life. I, I think I've grown a lot in the year that I've been there, and... Th- I think I'm yet to grow even more. So they're essentially grooming leaders. Exactly. Future leaders. Exactly. Diplomats and whether you, if you aspire to become a president of a particular country, this is an institution that you want to be a part of where you, you want to get your education because it's beyond education, right? I, yeah, exactly. And here's an, uh, here's an interesting thing is that at the academy, we have more girls than boys. Female in this continent have taken a very, a very proactive role in terms of what does it mean to lead. And I think we are modeling the type of leadership that we wish to see across the world. But that is starting in the continent. In the next 10 years, when you look at young females in positions of power, I can promise you that some of them are going, are going to be related to the African Leadership Academy. Some of your highlights include being selected head delegate for the Harvard 
model United Nations in Boston, and this was in January. Yes. What were you doing there? Tell me all about that. So in an Amion conference, ideally you're given a country and you're given a topic and you're given a committee. So a committee could be human rights council and a topic could be mental health or, or, or like terrorism across the world and the continent. So as part of the African Leadership Academy International Relations Council, we got to, uh, go to conferences across the world, China, Qatar and I was fortunate enough to be in the Harvard squad and we went there for two weeks. Uh, we engaged in diplomatic discourse about mental health across the continent and we were given Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe was our country and that was a very interesting country to have because what you, because what you realize is that when you stand there, you don't, you don't just represent yourself, but you have to have studied the country's policy, the country's international, uh, international relations engagement policy. So when you speak, you're speaking on behalf of a country, not as Obergang, not as Sonia, but as Zimbabwe, as South Africa and so forth. And then another thing that you also um, did or one of your highlights or achievements um, is that the Oprah Foundation um, picked you to attend Morehouse pre-college leadership program. What was that about? So a couple of South Africans actually had access to this opportunity. It was five of us. And for two weeks, we got to, um, it was in June, uh, this past June, we got to fly to Georgia, Atlanta. And we engage with other black fellows like ourselves about what does it mean to be a black young man in the world and you intend to be in a position of power. And we engage with um, writings by W.E. Du Bois, like The Talented Tenth, like what does it mean for you as a young black man to be a black man and given the given the power dynamic in the world as to how do you intend to lead well? To, to create impact, to ensure that you do not, so when you have a seat at the table, you do not want to build a higher fence, but you want to extend the table so that you can bring your other black brothers and sisters to join you in that. And you were also selected, I mean, like I, like I mentioned already, <laughs> you've achieved so much. You were also selected to attend the Wharton Leadership in the Business World Summer Program at the University of Pennsylvania in July. Yes. Enlighten us. So that has to be one of the most um, interesting things I've done this year so far because it was a month-long intensive business-focused program for high school students across the world. And the numbers of the students that were attending the program were quite shocking in terms of how many people I saw that symbolically looked like me. And... I began to to think about what does it mean for me as a young black person continuously rising and to not see a lot of people that symbolically look like me. That is why I spoke about the point of when you have a seat at the table, it is your duty to extend the size of the table so you can bring other black brothers and sisters on the table. But but yeah, it was a... Yeah, it was a good experience. <laughs> see, I see. I mean, talking about it, I mean, your eyes are just filled with joy because I mean, I think it's, it's only now that it sinks in the, the amount of achievements or what you've done 
you know, given your age, as I keep, you know, referring to, mm. you were also granted an internship opportunity at Athena Global Advisors in Philadelphia in August. What yeah. does that entail? So I was fortunate enough to reach out to this lady on LinkedIn. Uh, her name is Maggie Wilkinson and she runs Athena. It's a strategic consulting firm in Philadelphia. And she just really took me in. She, uh, she just invested in me. She wanted me to grow my professional skills. And an interesting thing about the firm as well is that it has a lot of females in it. And I was one of two men, but the only black young boy working in the firm. The other one was a white American male. And that whole dynamic just counters a lot of what you see in the world. So. I guess in that perspective, it was a reflective moment. So now, going back to your upbringing, or from the beginning of your life, your mother was 16 when she gave birth to you, something that you and I have in common. My mom was 16, my dad was 17. I have no idea what they were doing. They were supposed to be in school, but they decided to have a child when they were still kids themselves. But anyway, that's a story for another day. Today is about you. So your mother was 16 when she gave birth to you. You've got two younger sisters, so you're obviously the eldest. And you have no relations with your father. Tell me about your upbringing and the challenges you've had to overcome. So an interesting thing about my mom is that the same the same time she had me, my grandmother was also pregnant with my mom's little brother. So I am essentially the same age as my mom's little brother. And in a family where there are no men, him and I were constantly struggling about what does it mean to be a young black man? Like what type of man are we becoming? And we began to have that type of discourse. And very often we were extremely clueless as to what did it mean to be a man. And we began to look around the community as to what type of man can we aspire to be like. And, and yeah, but, but even though my mom had me at such a young age, I, I think the level of maturity and high level thinking she displayed as to the choices she took after that I'm just grateful that I'm alive because I know that there are a lot of teenage pregnancies that end up in abortion and I'm happy that I'm not one of those. So in that regard, I'm, I'm, I'm just grateful to my mom that she did take responsibility for her action and she continues to ensure that we don't do the same mistakes as she did. I mean, I admire your story. You were um, a marathon runner and you took part in uh, marathon meetings because you would win always. You said you, you would win always and you would get the prizes. And what would you do? So basically, I was like, my mom did not work and my grandmother worked. And as a result, my grandmother had to provide for the whole family. And thinking about it, there's certain things growing up that you like to have, like you like you like like you like to have nice shoes, you like to have a nice phone, you like to have data, all of that. But constantly, my mom told me, "I can't give you that, but I can give you a roof, I can give you food. So anything outside of that, you have to do it yourself." And I'd see these guys training around um around um around where I live, and one day I just decided to join them. And they were like, hey, you actually have a bit of potential. If you just continue to train with us, you're going to get so fast that you're going to end up running better than kids your age. And they were like, you can even win money. I was like, that's a bonus. 
So why not just go for it? And we did that a lot. And very often I, I had enough money to sometimes even pay for my own school fees because in the townships, like school fees is not that big of a deal. Like it's not that much money. So let's say I would go to like a race and win like 500 and I could take the uh, 250, put it aside, and the other 250 is for me and my little sisters as well as my cousins and nieces. So you, you, you were, you know, very responsible financially, almost, I don't want to say like a breadwinner, cause I mean, your mom did work. I mean, she was a domestic worker at some point when you were still, um, young. But I mean, at that very young age, you also helped to put bread on the table. Yeah, but I don't think it's things that you consciously think about that I'm actually helping my mom, but it's rather this woman gives so much of herself to ensure that I have a better life and you subconsciously end up Wanting to help as well because you, you see what time your mom wakes up to go work and you see what time she comes back and she always looks tired, but then she always cooks even when she looks tired. And, and yeah, my mom, yeah, I'm, she's an amazing woman. She sounds like an, an incredible woman. So now at the age of 12, you had a chance encounter with King Molotlechi of the Royal Bafokeng Nation. I admire your tenacity because you approached him as a 12-year-old and you asked him to pay your school fees because you wanted to speak English. Yeah. Tell me about that. So one of our neighbors was like, uh, she was a girl that went to a really good school. And generally good schools have a very different time schedule to like public schools. I mean, there are some good public schools, but generally, so she would come back very, very late and she would wear hockey kids, uh, speak good English. And I just wanted to be like her. I just wanted to speak well. I wanted to do better. And I thought, how, like, how, like, how could I do that? And then I thought, if I go to a really good school and I can have an opportunity to uh, develop a better command of English as it is an international language, then I could begin to advocate to have a seat at the table. And when that happened, I, so he did not instantly say yes, but he said, we'll look into it. And fortunate enough, two years later, they then developed a scholarship fund, which I was very fortunate to be one of the first two re- uh, recipient of that fund. And nothing was ever the same after that. I can imagine. I mean, your life took a turn for the better. And then two months before your matric finals, you received an offer of admission from AFA. African Leadership Academy, an offer you accepted. I mean, was that an easy decision to make? It was not because I had been uh, I, I had been part of the scholarship fund, which had essentially taken me through high school, five years of high school, paid for everything, traveling, tuition, boarding, all of that, and I did not have to pay anything. So essentially, it was an investment they had made into me. And a couple of months before that investment is supposed to pay its dues, and then I'm saying I'm leaving to them, it also didn't sit well with me. But I thought about it in terms of who do I want to be in the long term and what type of investments should I begin to start making to ensure that I can be that person. And that is when I thought going to the academy and leaving my former high school would be the best way moving forward because I understand that it's an investment that is not going to pay its dues now, but in the next two decades, it will definitely pay off. So on Sunday, we celebrated Heritage Day, but it was also recognized yesterday. 
And then uh, advocate Tuli Madonsela tweeted on Sunday, quote, the Constitution is our greatest heritage. Let's renew our commitment to it and protect it. End quote. Your thoughts on that? I definitely agree because if you uh, because if you visit the constitutional court, you will see that the bricks that they've used where Chief Justice Mokhoeng Mokhoeng along um, al- um, alongside other judges sit, those are the bricks that that used to form the prisons in which black men and uh, uh, like black men and black uh, and black women used to be jailed. That. Those very same bricks are used as an analogy of us learning from our past and using our past to make a better commitment to the future that we want to have. And I think the constitutional court in itself is a symbol of that commitment to, to upholding the very highest ideals of social justice and economic liberation for South African people. What is EdConnect and what does it stand for? AdConnect is a non-profit organization that aims to identify, empower, and connect South African students transitioning from primary to high school to scholarship opportunities and top high schools across the country. Okay. So, I mean, as a, a, typ- a typical teenager, as we know, spends hours watching mindless TV and listening to vulgar music, especially this, you know, hip-hop culture, <laughs> can be a bit, uh, you know, the, the language there can be a bit, you know, off Putting. Mm. Um, but you spend your time reading inspirational, thought-provoking books, and you also attend lectures by phenomenal people such as Professor Wallace Suyinka. I mean, mm. what's up with that? I mean, don't get me wrong. I am a normal teenager. I do all of the mentioned above, but also I understand that I'm constantly trying to strike a balance between me having entertainment fun with my friends and me investing in the type of future that I want to see for myself. And as a result, it has become, I have been more deliberate in the past two years about the type of books that I read, the types of people that I mingle with, because I I also believe that you're an average of people that you spend the most time with. So if I'm constantly surrounded by greatness, I hope I can become great. And you will. Absolutely. In 2015, you founded an organization called Let's Apply South Africa. What was the aim? Funny enough, AdConnect, so Let's Apply South Africa later became AdConnect. Okay. Because the idea was Let's Apply South Africa is too long of a name to say and is too long of a name to remember. And what and what basically happened is that we moved from just helping students apply by giving them application forms to saying, how can we better formalize this so that it can be sustainable? So even if I do go study wherever in the world, I can have a team down here who are able to keep this project going. So the formalization part of it also came with us changing our name to Ad Connect Initiative. I see. Okay. So you have a keen interest, obviously, in African politics, international affairs, and diplomacy. Did someone influence this? My grandmother did. Um, so when I was growing up, Barack Obama and Nelson Mandela were like the most prominent figures on like national television. And sometimes I'd be playing outside with my friends and she'd be like, Oh my king, no, 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 no. Come, 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 come. I want, um, I want you to see this. And I, I would just sit in front of the TV and listen to what they were saying, even if I didn't understand it. And she said, someday you will. And she constantly also collected like speeches, 
newspaper articles of Nelson Mandela and Barack Obama. And I think sitting in front of the table and constantly reading those pieces subconsciously made me see the importance of having good governance and having good diplomatic relations in terms of growing a nation and as well as sustaining it and ensuring that the people that live in it live well. Yeah, okay, indeed. And then um, I also wanted to ask you, about the um, model United Nations uh, conferences in South Africa and abroad, uh, which is something that you uh, took part in. So please enlighten us and uh, tell us more about that. So essentially, we, because we are part of the International Relations Council, we get to meet on a weekly basis to engage with topics around diplomacy, around governance, all of that. And we get to go to conferences across the world. But an interesting thing is that every single year in March, we have an opportunity to simulate whatever it is that we have learned. That is why we do the African Leadership Academy Model African Union. So what we do there is we host a five-day conference for students across the African continent as well as the world to engage in diplomacy and to come up with an action plan as well as resolutions to African problems. We are saying that it's great that we have a model United Nations but in the continent, we also have the African Union. So how can we simulate that? How can we make people know about the power of that organ? And as a result, we do the African Ishiba Academy Model African Union Conference annually. And we are currently actually recruiting students for that. We are looking for 250 delegates across the world who show potential to be high-impact delegates who, who can be the next generation of global diplomatic leaders. And how does one apply? I mean, if anyone's listening right now and they're interested, what is the process for that? So we have a website called the www.alamau.org, or you can even search it on Facebook. You can search the African Leadership Academy Model African Union on Instagram, Twitter, and you can also just Facebook message me and I'll be happy to take you through the process. Okay. You've also entered the J.M. Busher Innovation Challenge. I had no idea what that was about <laughs> until I Googled you. Uh, so educators? So J.M. Busher is an investment group and they, they, they are deliberately investing in young people who have ideas that could that could improve people's social well-being and social welfare. And as a result, they have launched a innovation challenge, which you get to win 5,000 rand. If your idea is one that they are fond of, if it's an idea that they believe that definitely has the potential to create some, some, some like social impact. So we entered that because we need the financial muscle to better formalize what we're trying to do. We need to, we need to create a website. We need to be in people's faces. We need to have roadshows. So the point with Ad Connect is we want every single young person to know that we are out there, that we are out there to help, that we are out there to empower, and that we are out there to connect. And for that to happen, we need a strong financial muscle. As a result, we have entered competitions like the Innovation Challenge by J.M. Busher. Okay. Well, what is the one book that changed your perspective on life? It has to be Between the World and Me by, by I don't know how to pronounce his name properly, but he's an African-American author. And the book talks about what does it mean to be a black person in a white space? Because in the past five years, I have definitely found myself in white spaces and I have, I have 
I have felt the pressure to assimilate into whiteness so that I could succeed. And for me to be conscious of, to be conscious of what does it mean to be me before coming into the space is important because it has helped me stay true to who I am. Even though it, it is a constant battle that I'm fighting to be like, it's okay that I can go to America. It's okay that I, I can go to these good schools, but I should never forget the history of my people. I should never forget where I come from because my past definitely lights the future for me. And, and so one of the lines actually in the book is, out of a history of growing light, facing the future of conquered darkness, we emerge. By we, we mean African people. Regardless of our past, regardless of whatever waits us in the future, we will emerge. That is why we're saying we, because we understand the power of collective action, of being together. As a future diplomat or president, what is your opinion on the following? We'll start with Grace Mugabe being labeled disgrace. I think that public figures sometimes don't understand the impact of their actions and they act irrationally so when it is not justified to act like that. And I think being the first lady of Zimbabwe, she should have modeled a better a better a better model for how she intends for the population to also act and and I don't know how many women would be proud to say, I know Grace Mugabe by virtue of her recent actions in South Africa. And their son's purchase of the two Royals Royces? I don't know. I, I think that our focus is, is not on the right things, even, uh, even as young people and even as public figures that we are using money to not buy the right things, but to buy temporary things that have no value in terms of the position that we uphold in society. And it's not things that I would like to comment on a lot because they're very, very controversial as to how I would see it and how they may have intended to be seen. Okay. But I'm saying we can do better and okay. let's do better. Uh, fair enough. And your opinion on Dudu Zuma? Our president's son. Um, He's an interesting figure and he's not one that I would like to emulate. He's not a, I don't think he's a good example for young South Africans, more in particular black young man. Being, being the son of the president, many young black sons in this country should look up to you. And I don't think he has modeled the type of socio-ethical leadership that we seek to see in the world. By virtue of that, he's not someone that I, I intend to meet or intend to work with. POTUS, Donald Trump. Your opinion on him. <laughs> so with, so with being in the U.S. recently and the type of, and, and, and the type of experience I've had by virtue of policies that he has put in place that are not just and that perpetuate the culture of oppression, I'm not a very big fan of him. And I don't think he thinks before he, he speaks. Or tweets. Yeah. And I don't think he understands the power of words or like the person that he has. And I would be very surprised if, if he thinks that 
he would have made it to be president. I think it's a bit of a shock to him as well. That is why he's acting so irrationally. <laughs> so, I mean, you know Chance the Rapper, right? Yes. So he won the Humanitarian Award at the 2017 BETs, and he was only 24 when he received that award. Your opinion on that? So, actually, I have a friend of mine. She is a big, big Chance Fan, like she loves Chance the Rapper, and I got to know about Chance through her. Um, and people like Chance are the examples we need. We need more young people saying it does not matter how how young or old we are, but we can act in a thoughtful manner that can change the world. And yeah, he he's a great example and. I was telling a friend of mine actually that if if um, if I ever had the opportunity to talk to him, I would invite him to our metric valediction when we graduate next year in June, because he's just a force. He he is a force to be reckoned with by the type of values he portrays and how and how he's so deeply committed to impactful service, not just in America but across the world. His music is is so influential. It's it's changing lives. And I mean, especially considering he's in the hip hop uh, rap culture, he's one of very few rappers who actually can write an entire song without using any vulgar language into that. Yeah. So th- that I find refreshing. I mean. His CD is, is, is the kind that I would buy for my nine year old and 12 year old son because it's, it's got clean lyrics as they call it. So now, who would you like to see as the next president of South Africa? I don't have a specific name, but I can tell you the type of qualities that I would like that leader to, um, to uphold. And I want someone who is deeply committed to loving the people of this country. Loving them as they come, as diverse as they are, to understand that we are not a normal country, that no other country is like us. And I believe that to be able to serve the the people of this country well, you first of all need to love them. And when you begin to to love them, then you can uh, then um, then then you can begin to respect them. And by virtue of you loving and respecting the people of this country, that means that you're going to be accountable to them. That you're going to understand the power of your position And not use it for self-benefit But to benefit the people of this country But in the name of In the name of giving a potential candidate I would love to see Advocate Tulima Dunzala running I think if she does decide to run And when she does run That's going to be a powerful message to the world That's going to be a powerful message To females across this continent and do you think SA is ready for a female president? I mean, you've mentioned that your institution has more female students than males. The um, um, Malawian country had uh, Joyce Panda um, as a female president. And uh, Liberia currently has Ellen Johnson Sirleaf. So in your personal opinion, is South Africa ready for a female president? Ready or not, they're coming. They don't need, they don't need anyone's consent to be in those positions. They don't need anyone to validate them. But as long as what they bring to the table is worthwhile, they're coming. And 
and I and I don't think we can ever be ready for it, because the type of leadership that women continue to model in this continent is one that should be modeled across the world, but it's not. That is why I'm saying that people are are not ready for that type of change, because it's going to influence so much in a positive light, because women continue to lead even. Even even when they're not asked to lead Because of their deep commitment To loving the people And respecting the people To, to not be well adjusted to injustice And to not be well adapted to indifference On Saturday you tweeted The late Honorable Samora Michelle's speech Which was very profound Can you share? Yeah, so I love women And I love the role that women are playing on this continent more in particular young women and and for me that love is born out of reading great readings like speeches of Samara Michelle Thomas Sankara and their and their deep emphasis on the role that women can play in this continent to understand that as long as women are not included in whatever we're doing we are going to continuously be operating below our potential and for me i get those lessons from the readings of the past because the speeches of the future don't really talk much about that. It's, it's normalized to not have females run for, for, for positions of power and readings of the past for me also helped me to be conscious of my female counterparts to understand that they are just as capable as I am, if not more capable. You speak very fondly about your mum and it's clear that you have a very strong connection and it's clear you love women as a species and that you respect women and I think we we have your mum to thank for that. So what would you like to say to her? I'd like to say thank you for for being the type of woman that you are. Thank you for being a good example to my little sisters. And thank you for the sacrifices that you continue to make. And I would not, I would not be here. I would not be speaking to you had it not been for my mom. I, I love that woman and she has taught me how to love and respect women for how they are and understand that women are, women are are a deep force that this continent and the world needs to deliberately start reckoning with. And that is all because of my mom. My consciousness around the struggles that women go through, more in particular black women, the double oppression that black women faces, is all because of my mom. So thank you for making me a conscious individual. And what would you like to say to your dad? I forgive you. I'd still like to spend time with you. And I hope you show up. What would you like to say to that 12-year-old boy sitting at home thinking to himself, my future is bleak? Only those who risk going too far can possibly find out how far one can go. So take that risk. Get involved in things. You never know where they can lead you. But get involved in things that you're deeply committed to and ensure that you use those things to make yourself a better individual. There are absolutely no limits to what we can become. 
regardless of the systematic option, uh, regardless of the systematic uh, oppression that we continue to face, to, to, to face as a people of color, our history and our current present shows that we are a force to be reckoned with. So, dream and pursue. I like that. So, you reckon you will become president of South Africa in two decades? I believe you. And I hope South Africans have noted your name down as someone to look out for. Thank you for spending your time with me. I appreciate it. And I know you've got a lecture, an online lecture in two hours time. Yes, English literature. Okay, so I don't want to keep you <laughs> any longer away from your, your, your tutorials and lectures because I don't want to be responsible, you know. Mm. Um, so, so how does it work? I mean, do you have exams, uh, coming up? What are you currently doing? Cause you, you, you do your A levels and your O levels as well, right? Yes. So th- this current moment, what, what are you doing? So I'm currently pursuing my, uh, Cambridge A levels. So okay. I did my AS level last year and I'm doing history, um, English literature and English language at an A level level and and yeah so I take English language online and uh, history and literature I have a teacher that I meet with on top of the other core subjects that we do at the academy like writing and rhetoric entrepreneurial leadership and African studies Sure. Well, that's a lot to take. <laughs> Thank you so much, working for you know joining me here and uh, spending your time with me, Opinion Booth. Thank you very much for having me and thank you for investing in me. Thank you for making this the very first ever opportunity to speak to such a big audience. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to spending more time with you. You will. You will. My humble opinion: your upbringing doesn't determine your future. Embrace all of life's challenges and adversity because it shapes and molds your character. It prepares you for the big, big world. Aspire to inspire before you expire. This is CliffCentral.com.